Hello guys, thanks for joining us today on the Masters of Life podcast. I am your host, Christian, and I interview high performers from all walks of life. My goal is to share with you how they live with intention day in and day out. So without further ado, let's get it. Let's go right here on Masters of Life podcast. What's going on, guys? We have a true entrepreneur with us this week. We have the Coco Vinny, the founder and the chief coconut in charge of Coco Taps. You might have seen Coco Taps on Shark Tank Season 9, Episode 12. Coco Taps is the only 100% made in the USA, BPA-free, and dishwasher-safe coconut water system. Coco Taps is sold across many resorts here in the Vegas Valley, including the Wynn, Bellagio, Cosmo, and the Palms. Also a terrible herbs across the valley. Coco Vinny, I am thrilled to have you on. How you feeling? Hey, good morning. Yeah, I'm good. I'm a little uh, jet-lagged. Just got in from London and San Antonio, so it's been a I wild... Saw it was raining, right? Yeah, it was raining a lot in San Antonio. It was crazy. But yeah, I feel great. Thank you for having me this morning. Yeah, no, it is my pleasure, and I am so excited to share your story and all this value that you have to bring for our listeners today. So... Let's go ahead and get started, but let us know an interesting fact about your background that has shaped who you are today. Well, um, one of the most, I think, interesting uh, things about me is that uh, I'm a problem solver, and uh, I was faced with lots of problems early. I think uh, there was a, a big problem that my whole family was faced when my father went to prison when I was about 15. So I became the head of the household real young, and that was the uh, first of the many problems that we started solving. So I... I Heard about your um, how you started your business, and then you were cracking coconuts with your uh, stepdad's knife. Yeah, my stepdad had a really beautiful German knife. Uh, that was another problem that I encountered. I broke his knife with uh, a hammer. I was beating the hell out of his out of his knife on coconuts, and uh, so that that was a fr- another problem that we started solving. I'll tell you all about it. Is that the same dad that went to prison? No, or is it st- that's okay. a stepdad. Okay, so, got it. Yeah. Okay, so let's go ahead and get a little bit vulnerable here, but what is your biggest failure and how did that shape you? Um, you know, they're all pretty big. You know, you, you, the, harder you, the harder you crash, I guess the, the better the cleanup is. So um, I would say my biggest failure personally could, uh, I mean, you could see it as a failure. I learned a tremendous amount, but um, I'll, I'll just, there's just a ton of them. So I'm just going to pick one. Yeah. Um, I started a cattle ranch when I was 21 years old while I was uh, already operating my own massage therapy company. And um, I, I invested some money in, in with some partners in New Mexico. And uh, I quickly learned the cattle business. And um, it was a horrible experience. And I, I think it was one of my biggest, I, you know, in retrospect, it wasn't a mistake, but it was, it was a big failure at that time. I was... Um, I was being stolen from, scammed. I'd raised a lot of money from investors. And when I liquidated the whole thing and looked up, uh, I was like $300,000 in debt at like 22 years old, personally. And I didn't know how I was going to pay it back. So, um, but there was a tremendous, uh, whole book of lessons from it. And um, I was able to get myself out of it. There's a great story on how I overcame all that. Yeah. And, uh, well, I'll just tell you, I guess. So, um, I was still operating my massage therapy company at the time. And I told all the investors and everybody and the debt holders, I said, look, we got screwed, but I'm not going to let you get screwed. I, it might take me 30 years to pay you back. I said, I don't know, but I'm going to figure it out. And, uh, I was able to broker, 
um, a deal between a couple of my clients. I became sort of the uh, representative for an art company, and I brokered some of the largest art deals on the Las Vegas Strip. I sold Bellagio and Treasure Island and MGM and all the resorts started buying artwork, and uh, I was able to sell literally in, in eight hours. I sold like $3 million worth of artwork, and my commissions paid back the debt. And that was, oh a, that was a pure manifestation of, of creative thinking and just connecting dots and figuring it out. I had no plan. But that was one thing that, that you know, I learned, I learned how, to, how to bounce. I had no idea. Yeah. This is, this is something you should be telling everybody. Yeah, there's so many different stories like that. It's, we're going to write a book one day, I'm sure. Oh, I bet, yeah. I mean, so, <clears throat> so you've been in business even before Coco Taps. You had oh, a, yeah. Oh, yeah. My first therapy. company was at 17 years old uh, out of necessity. When my father went to prison... Uh, we almost ended up homeless, and I was working two full-time jobs and going to school, and I convinced the, uh, the academy for massage therapy to let me in early before I was 18. She actually lent me the money to go, and um, I was able to start my massage company real young. I built my clientele quick. Um, I bought my sister and I and my mom uh, together a house at 18, uh, so, you know, there's a lot of really crazy God. things that have happened to me, and and then um, just to, the icing on the cake was is after my business was growing, I started lobbying the Supreme Court in Nevada, and I was able to get my dad pardoned out of prison. But that took me about eight and a half years of hardcore, you know, brutal, brute force work, um, lobbying without lawyers, without money. And um, even the lawyers that would charge me millions like Oscar Goodman and all these, they said it was impossible. So I made it possible, but it was it was tough. They were they said that my dad was never going to get out. They gave him like 25 years to life. And, um, it, it took me eight and a half years, but we got him out. So we can definitely edit this out, but I got to ask, what, what did he go? Oh, no. I mean, my dad made some big mistakes. He was, uh, uh, in the, in the drug trade. He was actually, uh, it was a high drug trafficking charge. Uh, but it was, he had never had any priors and it was a, it was an entrapment situation where they just kept hounding him, hounding him, hounding him to do a deal. And, he was desperate enough. I don't know if you've seen the movie Blow, mm -hmm. but that is a true representation of uh, what happened. He just, they just kept bugging him to do that one deal, and he did wow. it, and then it was, then they took him away. Wow. Yeah. So your dad was an entrepreneur, too. Oh, my dad was a serious. <laughs> he still is. He, in fact, that's why I was in San Antonio. He lives in San Antonio, and I was visiting with him. And, um, yeah, we, we've maintained a, a relationship, a healthy relationship. It's been tough because I've been basically the dad for since I've since I was about 15, 16. So, um, yeah, we, we've, we've gotten a lot of great lessons on on life and family and everything. It's just been wild. Oh, my God. You have such a wild story. This is not even Masters of Life. This is like, <laughs> this is like three lives <laughs> yeah. in one. It's crazy. So, um, so let's go ahead and go talk about the business a little bit or your personal life. But what is your biggest fear and how do you plan to overcome that? Well, I mean, my biggest fear has always been um, death of loved ones. I mean, I, I don't know how, um, I mean, when my grandma passed away, you know, a number of years ago, it was just, it's extremely difficult situation. And then you just worry, you know, about your mom and your dad and your sisters and having to, having to see them, you know, fly. And that's probably one of my biggest fears. So I just try and be, you know, present for them daily and, um, spend as much time as I can with people that I love. Um, but other than that, I don't have a lot of, a ton of fears. I, I don't skydive. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that must mean that I'm a little bit afraid of that. And I, I might one day, everybody's always trying to talk me into it, but 
it's not something that's calling to me. Yeah. So I guess I would fear death and and uh, death of people that are close to me. So, um, but other than that, I mean, I don't. I'm not really scared of much now. Going through the stuff that I've gone through in business and in right. in life, uh, the saying is real simple: every setback is a setup for a comeback. So no matter what, everything's temporary. And um, if you fall down, just land on your back so you can look up. And if you can look up, you can get up. That's uh, Les Brown taught me that one. And there's just so many great mentors that I know or don't know that I've gotten a lot of this stuff from. Um, I've always tried to stay in tune and in touch with my my intuition. And um, we all get lost. And the Coco Taps company that that I created with Coco Joe and, and the team uh, came from me getting way lost and off my path. And my last company, I, I raised, you know, we raised almost $18 million of venture capital. We were in the gaming business and we built something from scratch, you know, five years of just hardcore work. And it was the most miserable I'd ever been in my life with, with just tons of shareholders and employees and stress that for a product that I didn't really believe in. It was just, so I learned a lot. You learn a lot from getting lost. So um, you, you can only find your way by, by getting off path, I believe. Yeah, I know. I completely agree. And I want to, I want to take a step back here because I want to talk about the point with the family Yeah. Uh, before we move forward. And I think it's, it's so difficult for a lot of people to value family until something major happens until they see, until they're close to death or their family yeah. member gets sick then they really value it. And so I think it's a good fear that you have because I think a lot of people should have that kind of in the back of their head that any day could be the last day because one day you're going to be right, right? Yeah, yeah, we're all going to go. And I mean, I would say another like sort of sub-fear is the climate crisis that we're in. Um, Everything that I'm reading, everything that I'm studying just has us falling off a cliff. And literally the earth is going to be here, but we won't. So we're kind of like these fleas on a dog right now and the and we're about to get exterminated. We're exterminating ourselves with all of the waste and all of the the horrible things that we're doing to the environment and the ecosystem. So I would say a sub fear for me would be for us not to get it together. And we only have a, a short window in the next, you know, 10, 15 years to really turn it around and regenerate the planet and the ecosystem that we're living on yeah. or else we are toast. Yep. And so that's Literally. a big fear. And I, I don't, you know, I have very big goals and big dreams to reverse you know, climate change, and uh, it, it's requ- it's going to require all of us doing it together, and that's a tough one. So I'm doing whatever I can. I'm, I'm built putting big plans together to plant millions and millions of trees. Um, you know, we actually on the planet we have to plant about 1.2 trillion trees to reverse the climate crisis and to deacidify the oceans, and wow. we got to start eliminating all these plastics. It's just crazy. Yeah, it's we're in this system. No, we're in the system, man. We're we're all you know, struggling with it. We don't really even know where to start. So it's kind of crazy. So let's go ahead and branch off that because uh, I know you want to plant, uh, you know, as much trees as you can to help. How is your business, how is Coco Taps revolving around that um, change? Yeah, so we're the only certified zero waste company in Las Vegas right now. We are fully uh, about regenerative um, business and practices. So we recycle, reuse, repurpose, eliminate everything in our supply chain. Um, and we've been certified for that. We had to pay thousands for different audits and third party auditors to come in and make sure that we're zero waste. Um, and we really have a long vision of 
doing a full circular economic model where we're going to actually grow the trees, the, the coconuts. We're going to take them from the farm to the fridge. And we already have formulas that we're putting together when, we, when, we're, when people drink the coconuts, we want to get the coconuts back and turn them into other soil products, um, other uh, biochars and different things that actually uh, will go back to the farm and, and become other products. So fully circular economic. So there's three systems right now that, that mostly there's a linear s economic system, which is just waste, use and get more and, and throw everything away. There's a recycle economy where you use and waste and then you recycle a little bit. And that's what they call sustainable. And then there's fully circular economic where everything gets used and repurposed and re and kept in the loop and that's circular economics and that's actually the most profitable it's it's the way mother nature was designed with no waste and that n there's nothing in nature that's wasted everything gets used and everything goes to some other step and so, so it's not just coconuts that are able to do that no 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 the whole environment that we live in that, that's the way it's designed is circular in nature so waste doesn't exist in nature, but when you segment uh, man-made systems, you, you, you separate the pieces and the parts, and then there's just stacks of waste everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what, you know, we're so civilized, but we're really just, <laughs> we're overcomplicating ourselves. Right. And so that's what I'm learning. Man, we're creating problems. We're creating problems, yeah. for sure. Yeah, a lot of the designs of the systems make problems so they can make more money at certain segments, but then there's so many other things that get destroyed in the process. Gosh, that's crazy. So, okay, what can, sorry, we're straying here, but I love this <laughs> because what can people that are just listening, yeah. what can they do to help out? Really, it's simple to um, use reusable containers. You know, if you're buying bottled water, get a container that you fill up. Eliminate that single use stuff. If you're using something one time and then throwing it away, even, I think it's about 91% of all the things that go in the recycle bin don't get recycled. So we're, and we can't recycle our way out of these problems. So anything that you touch, make sure that it's, that it's made out of a material that's not going to destroy the ecosystem. All plastics need to be eliminated unless they're, you know, permanent. And plastic is a permanent material. To use plastic for a single-use material is, is really the destruction and the death of, of us. Plastic is a petroleum product. You're drinking out of it. You're, in, you're ingesting microplastics in your body. And then when this plastic bottle ends up in the, uh, in the ground soil or in the ocean, it ends up back into our food stream and our water stream. So we're actually, cancers are going up at an alarming rate because of all the plastics and things that we're ingesting. So that's what they can do to save themselves and save the fish and save the birds and save everything is stop using, you know, permanent materials for for you know temporary solutions that's just yeah. not good i saw it on your instagram there was a little infographic of the fish and there's all this plastic inside the fish and yeah. basically it was saying we po we uh pollute the fish we pollute ourselves right yeah. we i mean it's it. a circle everything comes back just brother. like you said yeah, yeah nature designed it that way so <laughs> whatever you put out it's going to come back so whether you are mean to somebody or you're you're mean to yourself it's all going to ripple it's a ripple that's going to that's going to affect something so Gotta, we all got to clean up our act, do it, you know, we can't, we're, nobody's perfect, and we all have to do it imperfectly, and if we all just get in tune and get tapped in, so to speak, that's the, that's the real way that we all work together in an imperfect nature. We're not here to judge, we're not here to say that you're terrible for doing this, 
even, you know, you know, we've got plastic bottles on this table right now and we're drinking out of a single use plastic, but you know what? We just learn something maybe, and we, we can always, we can always make it better. We can always improve. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, huge plug out to Brita for <laughs> filtering our water. So you know, they get water bottles, but, um, can you, uh, so I know you have a lot of uh, experiences that has really obviously uh-huh. changed your life and that you've learned from, but can you tell our listeners about one or two of the major events that has really changed your life? I know you mentioned a little bit earlier, but... Yeah, so um, everything has affected me uh, in some way, but some of the big milestones, I would say, um, let's just, just recently, when I left my last company and I decided to not settle anymore and go for what I want. And so uh, I learned that in order to get what you want, you got to be, you got to be real with yourself and you can't do what everybody else thinks you should do. And so when I left my company, my last company was called Zen Entertainment. I was CEO and I was miserable. I was, I was overweight. I was just working, you know, 16, 18 hour days. And I just was not happy making money was, was, I was making money, but I was not happy. So we hired a CEO and I literally pulled the ripcord and, um, it all, it all comes in threes. You know, they say if you, if you quit your job, then you usually break up with your spouse or your, or your, um, loved one. And then you move. So I did all those at once. I broke up with my girl. Uh, I, I left my, my purpose and my position, so to speak as CEO of this company. And, um, I moved out of Vegas to Long Beach and I, I moved into a little 300 square foot shack that I had built on the back of my mom's place in Long Beach. And I just had my bike and my little keyboard and some clothes and I sold everything else. And I just stripped everything down to the ground. You know, everything that I thought I needed, you know, extra cars, the house and all this stuff. I said, it's all going away. I'm burning this thing down to the ground. And so the rebirth of, you know, who I became and I reinvented myself as Coco Vinny um, was an amazing evolution of, of me setting out my intention. I said, the next thing I do, no matter what it's going to be, it's going to be good for people. It's going to be good for the planet and it's going to be fun. Those are my three non-negotiables. And when I set that into motion, it took me a couple years of just walk about and figuring out and turning over rocks and looking at other companies and trying things. And I literally did everything I could to figure it out. And, um, until the right thing fit. And it was just by pure serendipity that, that I stumbled upon the coconut. And, um, you know, I was, uh, I was always offered coconut water in packages in these Tetra packs and these plastic bottles and none of it tasted good. It tasted stale. They pasteurize it. So when I had a fresh coconut offered to me, it was like heaven on earth, man. And so that's why I started every day after my workouts, I'd, I'd get a, a whole case of coconuts from the Asian market, and I had a knife and a hammer. I was cracking them open. And then, you know, two weeks later, I broke the knife of my stepdad. And so it all kind of came from there. That is crazy because it really is, like you said, serendipity. Yeah. I mean, if you didn't decide that, okay, because there's a lot of people who are just going to, this is how the company should be. This is the stress that I'm going to deal with. And you said, you know what? I'm going to start a new leaf, and the next thing I'm going to do is going to change the world. And look at it now. How long ago was that? So, um, I left my last company in 2000 in 2010 okay. and then a couple of years of just walkabout. And then, um, at the end of 2013 is when I discovered the coconut and then I invented, you know, 
Coco Taps. And, the, and then we brought Coco Taps to Las Vegas in 2016. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you, when did you move to Vegas? 2016? Well, so no, I... I I grew up in Vegas right, right, when right. I was 10, and then I left Vegas when I was, uh, was like 30 or something. To go to Long Beach. Long Beach, okay. and I came back. When did you come back? Uh, I came back full-time, like, 2017. Oh, okay. So I, was, I still have my little shack in Long yeah. Beach. I still connected to mom, and my grandma's going to be 102 on the oh, 11th. Nice. And so I'm connected with them in Long Beach, and then I... I travel back and forth and I was I was just doing part time while we were launching it here and then once it started to get real traction then I had to be full time here so yeah so I moved back so you more full time stuff and moved back yeah so I still own my house that I had I just rented it out so I just you know got the tenants out of there and just moved back to my place That's, I live in the same house that I bought when I was 18 when uh, oh, wow. and so it's it's you know I don't like I'm kind of funny like that I, I'm kind of a habitual creature I don't like too much change but when I do make a change, boy, I make a big one. So yeah, which is kind of ironic. There, <laughs> I don't like change, but I like change. Like <laughs> we change. Yeah, I change a lot of things, but I don't like change that much. It's weird. No, it's completely just a personality. But I mean, as an entrepreneur, you're changing in the right direction, and you're growing with the big risks and the big rewards, kind of thing. But it's not even really big risks because it's you're, you. You came here when the business was needed you. Yeah. Well, it, it's. You know, I mean, I it, it takes a village. I don't take credit for this company. This is our our Coco Dream Team is really what puts it together. I've got Coco Joe, I've got Coco Rob, I've got Coco Lolo, I've got my whole PR team. Everybody together for a, a sort of a you know a united front. We're all rowing in the boat. We all want to go to the island. So mm -hmm. um, we're really excited about what we can do. And we're just a small team, but it's growing and we're getting traction. And so. We're gonna we're gonna make a difference, and they they say those that you know are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones that can, and I think we can. So how did you find these guys? They found me. Oh. You know, we've been vibrating. Uh, Coco Joe was our first. You know, he's kind he's pretty much like co co-founder with me, and we grew up together. His his father worked with my dad, and we. We, in the drug business? Well, in the limousine business. Oh, so okay. the limousine business was my father's company, and it was sort of a front for a lot of that, you know. But he he had never gotten in trouble for 20 years, and then he got out of the business, and then that's when everything kind of went down, and they wanted him to get back in it. So um, anyways, my, uh, my Coco Joe is my co-founder. He came in, and uh, he believed before I did almost. When I showed him the invention, he was like, dude, do you know what you got here? And I was like, uh, I don't know, really, you know? So, and then it just came together. When, when he jumped, then I was like, man, yeah. So he lived, was living in Seattle. He was in a, in a not so, you know, great situation with his relationships and stuff. So he just pulled the ripcord himself. He, he moved to Vegas on a whim. We didn't have any money. And uh, he jumped. And when he jumped, I had no, no, you know, plan B. I was like, all right, we're going then. And so... Um, he and I got the first contract at the Win Las Vegas, and uh, it started from there. I mean, we, we literally didn't have, this was a few years ago, but we were, <laughs> to be honest, we, did, we, weren't, we weren't ready for that contract. Oh, my gosh. And so we, we were doing things, you know, without the right insurances or the licenses, and, we, you know, we, we did crazy things in the beginning, you know, like uh, Steve Jobs and Wozniak started building computers in the garage yeah. we were tapping coconuts in our garage <laughs> and like bootlegging them down the strip and it was scary because we knew that if we got caught we were never going to work again but 
we, we luckily got it all together. We we're fully certified and insured right. and licensed and everything now. But in the beginning, it was scary. Yeah, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> it I just sure imagine all the lessons and there's so much good stuff. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of meat to the coconut, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a huge risk in itself, I think, mm -hmm. to take that leap of faith and to actually say we're going to make it work, even though it might not be the right yeah. way to do it. Yeah, I think the saying is um, use the tools that you have until better tools come along. And, you know, everybody wants to have all the answers, but you're not going to ever have all the answers. In fact, don't even look for the answers. Just move and just make moves. You can't really learn how to drive by reading the book and by having all the answers in the book. You got to get behind the wheel and you got to hit the gas and you got to crash sometimes to learn how to drive. Mm -hmm. And I know my sister, Erica, shout out to her. She's crashed my cars before and hopefully she's learned to drive. <laughs> yeah, but, right. You know, <laughs> or else it's a waste. Yeah. yeah, well, so you learn from you learn from failures. So you, you get knocked down, you get up and you figure it out. Yep. There's there's a quote that says, um, how do you become successful from the right decisions? How do you make the right decisions from failure? Yeah. How do you fail from the wrong decisions? Yeah. <laughs> right. So perfect. Yep. So I kind of want to talk about that question again, but I also want to talk about what has the, obviously the shark tank experience taught you. Yeah. Well, that was another failure. I felt, I, I felt like I had screwed up royally when they all went out, uh, when they decided to go out on me and not bet on us. It was a very pivotal moment for me. Um, I didn't show it on camera because I'm pretty resilient like that. I, I don't usually let them see me sweat. But when they all went out, I was in shock. And I was like, wait a second. Are you sure you don't want to just hear it again? And they're like, nope, bye. And so when they bye Felicia'd me, I uh, grabbed my ukulele. And I'm like, all right, then. I guess I'm leaving. And then I just sang my way out backwards out of the room. I didn't even turn my back on the sharks. I wasn't going to let them get me from behind, man. I'm just yeah. going to take it. Straight up, face to face. Um, so I sang out full ad lib and, you know, creating my own words on the fly to my song. I was like, yeah, you know, coconut water from the Mexican <laughs> Jew. And I was like singing out of there. So they even got a kick out of it. But when those lights went off, I sat on on the stairs backstage in Culver City at Sony Studios. And I was crying like deep pain because of the amount of work and passion and mission and vision that I put in the last two years leading up to that moment, I had had a whole different outcome in my head that I knew I was going to have, you know, happen and it didn't. And so it felt like one of the biggest kicks to the coconuts I'd ever had. And I was crying my ass off. And then the producers came by and they were like, Vinny, you did great. You're going to, you know, like they were kind of like, dude, you don't realize, you know, they were like, we're glad you didn't get a deal with the Sharks, is what they told me. The producers were like, hey, we're glad you didn't get a deal with them because they usually screw deals up. Like most of the deals that they ever do, they, they take way too much equity, they take too much control, and they don't let people, you know, fulfill their mission or whatever. And so, and a lot of them just tank because they don't care. They just want to buy something and flip it and sell it real quick. And so this is a long vision. And, and so it made sense to me. And it was validation that, um, you know, they, they don't always get it right. And most of the biggest companies that made it got laughed off the tank. Yeah. So I think the guy from ring.com sold for over a billion to Amazon recently. Mm -hmm. They laughed him off. They didn't believe. So, you know, non-believers, uh, I mean, seeing is believing and they'll just have to see it to believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Know? So one, um, 
yeah, when I saw your episode and I thought, oh my gosh, this guy is not phased at all. I thought, <laughs> I thought you were great because you were singing. You're like, all right, you're lost, whatever. But I had no idea that behind the scenes yeah. you felt. Yeah, I was, I was really, really, really bummed. I mean, I was, it was almost like a, a, a couple of week depression. Like, and it's hard to get me down like that. It's hard to keep me down. But I was down for a minute. And I was like, you know, I just was like, I was concerned that the, the show wasn't even going to air. Because they say, if you don't get a deal, you're not guaranteed to get on TV. If you get a deal, you'll get on TV. But I was like, Jesus, all this hard work, all this energy, all this everything, and I might not even be on TV. I was, yeah. I was busted. Yeah. I was on my ass for a minute. But Oh, my gosh. I, I, so how, I guess, what are the chances? Like, how do they, is it random that they decide who doesn't get a deal gets aired? Uh, well, it's it's how the content looks, and I came oh, in singing true. and playing ukulele. That's true. So I made some pretty exciting, you know, fun content yeah. either way. So I guess I kind of made it to where I locked myself in. They love the actual, the vibe, the spirit, you know. And I'm, you know, the true spirit of an entrepreneur. I, you know, I didn't graduate college. I dropped out of college. Um, you know, had to get get into the grind early and mm-hmm. just um, not by choice either. I mean, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. So when you're about to be homeless, you need to figure out and invent a way to not be. So um, that's uh, that's really what happened. Yeah, and I think that you took full advantage of it, and you took it by the horns, and you wrote it. So the I, I want to ask a question about Shark Tank again because you talked about the the depression, and you talked about how much work you put in. Mm-hmm. How long did it take from application to actually getting there? Yeah, it took over two years minimum because I, I did an open audition. You get one minute to pitch. I did an open audition at a mall in L.A. with 2,000 people. You stand in these long lines. Um, you get callbacks. Then they want you to fill out mountains of paperwork. And then you get another callback that says, oh, now you got to film a 10-minute video asking, answering all these questions and do it with energy and do everything. And then So then you spend all this time recording and filming and then sending and submitting and then they go dark you're like you gotta be kidding me yeah they're like disappeared and then the next season comes on and you're like well i guess i'm not going to be on this season yeah yeah. so then i did it all over again i actually stood in line again in las vegas another open audition did it again one minute pitch the callbacks the videos the everything and then they go dark again and i'm like you gotta be freaking kidding me so so this is insane and i just you know i realized that i've i beat a hundred thousand applicants to just be in that position on that show. Yeah. And then to get on TV, it's like it's like hitting a lottery ticket because it's a $15 million free commercial basically for your company, whether you get a deal or not. Right. To buy that kind of primetime airtime, it's seven and a half, eight minutes of pitch of your product, of your brand. So we got a $15 million commercial. And yeah. I had paid for it with my time and energy, but I didn't have to write a check. So that was that's huge. And, th- and then it's rerunning. I'm getting more rerun action. People yeah. are still seeing it. So it's, it's So you're seeing a return on investment. Yeah, well, everything's a return, man. You always gotta get something out of something. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. So uh, you know, determination, you know, you're talking about determination and how that has really obviously helped you. But yeah. what habit or skill has really propelled you forward? So the three rules that I apply are you gotta have thick skin. Right. You got to have a short term memory and you got to have a positive attitude. And the way that you have a positive attitude is have thick skin and forget about it and then keep 
motivating yourself and keep reading and learning and growing any way you can. Keep your perspective of gratitude. Gratitude's the only way out of this to be appreciative for everything, even the downs. You got to be thankful for your shot. You got to be thankful for your ass kicking. Mm-hmm. Be like, thank you. Thank you for whooping my ass. And now I'm going to whoop yours. You know, like that's, you really have to be thankful for every hit that you take to the jaw and just learn, learn how to not get hit again or learn how to fall better or learn how to get up faster. And just that's all it's, you know, we're, we're just a whole series of setbacks and comebacks in this life. You're not going to have a perfect life. It's not designed that way. So um, you just got to set your, set your marks, be good to people, stay tapped in, you know, take care of yourself, take care of your peoples, take care of everybody and, and just do what you can do your best. Adaptability, right? In a nutshell, right? Yeah. So I like your three rules because it's kind of a step-by-step process, right? Cause <laughs> big skin, right? You take the hits, the rejection, whatever. Then you get the short-term memory like, Oh, okay. I took it. Now I'm going to forget about it. Yep. And then it leads to the attitude, the positive attitude. Keep it, keep it, keep it fun. Keep it light. Don't be too heavy. Don't take life too serious. Everything's temporary. And you just keep on tapping on, man. That's what it is. There it is. So is is there, you know, you're a businessman and you, I'm sure you've met a lot of incredibly successful people just like yourself. But is there a podcast, book, or influential figure that you recommend that our listeners check out? You know, I, I got to be honest. I haven't been consuming a lot of podcasts. I haven't had much time to really um, immerse myself in many books. I started reading this book uh, lately called Abundance. And, I, and I'm just, I can't even remember the author's name at the moment. But um, there's uh, Think and Grow Rich has been a staple since I was young. Um, you know, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that was a cool one. I mean, there's so many little simple books. I'm not a real heavy, heavy academia reader and if I read for more than probably 10-15 minutes I'll fall asleep (laughs) and so I um I do my best to learn on the fly and take as many good notes as I can on the lessons that are you know we're all guided this way I think and people come in your life for certain reasons you learn lessons for certain reasons and you know we're all a living lesson and a living book so we don't need to really have too much uh outside influence we can learn on our on our own and our, on the fly so i do a combination of both you know i'll yeah. listen to some youtube clips i'll use some, listen to some you know real short three minute five minute ten minute things but if it's any longer than that i'm usually out of it <laughs> it's weird i have a real short-term memory man <laughs> that's it. good good you apply it all everywhere right I mean, it's short term man it's it we just it's everything's getting faster and just it's ridiculousness how fast things are going no but that's i i completely agree right i'm not you know, you read the, those famous books, Think and Grow Rich, How to Win Friends, all that stuff. But I'm also not an avid reader. And so for selfish reasons, I started a podcast. There you go. So that I could meet walking books just <laughs> like yourself. There you go. And then I can get to ask the questions that I want to know straight from the person, right? That's the best way. I, I learn better on the job. You know, like I said, there's theory and there's practicum. I learn from people. I learn from watching people. I learn from deals. I learn from taking shots on stuff and you learn like when you learn when you're in the in it when you're in the movie you enjoy the movie more if you're just watching and you're on the sidelines yeah you're watching but you're not tied to it if you're literally in the game and you got it you're gonna get hit you got to run with the ball that's where you really gotta you gotta learn and you gotta go so that's so it's it's kind of not it's kind of related to what you're saying but you know i was i was in uh 
uh, B2B sales. Mm-hmm. So I was driving a lot. And I was hearing all these podcasts and all uh-huh. this stuff. Like you said, you've got to be in the game instead of watching the game. Yep. And so here we are. Yeah. So I completely agree. In terms of, I guess, somebody influential, someone's life that you admire, someone's life that you think uh, people should really take a look at. Wow. I mean, uh, people that I know or just that I think I know? Uh, anybody, really. Well, I mean, I would, I would like to get to know Richard Branson a little better. He, you know, he's, he's living kind of my cocoa dream on an island. Oh, yeah. He's really passionate about ocean conservancy. Um, there's a lot of synergies there of, of him taking risks early and stuff. Um, he seems like a cool dude, you know, yeah. and he's, he's done some neat things young. And so I'd like to maybe get to know him. I'll probably maybe figure out how to get to Necker Island sometime. Um, and real, real talk, real people. I've had five solid mentors when I was young that were father figures to me when my dad went to prison. So there's uh, great people. There's there's George Mafus. There's there's Scott Porter. There's um, Ken Templeton. Um, Reno Tondelli passed away. He was my piano teacher. There's a um, just an array of people that have helped me learn, and um, you know, given me some support. And and it all takes a village. You got to have a support system. You got to have something that um, you know, some people that believe in you, and so. That's really it, you know, just learning and, and growing together as, like you said, like I said, we're all guided and people come to your life for certain reasons. So, 100% agree. And, and I'm sure you follow Richard Branson on social media, but that guy is enjoying life. Like he is, <laughs> all I see is him in his infinity pool or on his island playing tennis, uh-huh. spending time with his kids. I think he really has it figured out. You know, if all the success hasn't gotten to him. He knew what his purpose was, and he was able to take advantage and really spend time with the people that's really important. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, we're all, we all have that, that uh, purpose inside of us. We all have that intuition, so it's just how bad do you want it? Mm-hmm. You know, whatever it takes, you got to really, really want it. You know, if, if you want something bad enough, you can find a way. And uh, if you don't want it bad enough, you will find an excuse. So, um, find the way, baby. That's the way it is. Find the way. All right. So this one is about, cause I, in the previous episodes of the podcast, I asked guests, um, what advice you have on money? So you can answer that or okay. best investment you've had under a hundred dollars. <laughs> well, earlier this year I started investing in Bitcoin. Um, I started with 50 bucks, but I accumulated, you know, more along the way and it's, it's up like ridiculous right yep. now. So I would say that's been one of the best, smallest investments I've made. Um, I've also made some investments that aren't monetary. I started investing time and energy in learning about physical fitness and weight loss. And I did a half Ironman in Kona. Um, okay. I've done a full marathon before. Things like that are investments of time. You don't have to invest money, but they're, they pay major, major dividends. Um, um, money advice is, uh, when you put too much energy and stress on bills, then you're going to create more stress and bills. That's all that you're, you're, you're going to look for because you're putting energy and time on it. So I, I practice this thing where I just ignore them and it's funny, but I ignore the actual liabilities and I only focus on the assets and I only focus on the income producing activities and the bills are going to be there. 
so you don't have to even think about them. And when you stop thinking about bills and when you stop putting energy towards bills and just almost learn to shut them out and ignore them, then you can grow wealth and you can stack more assets and stack more cash and, and make investments because you're not creating that energy around you. So, you know, whatever you look for, whatever you seek, you will find. And so whatever you're looking at, whatever you're putting your time and your energy into, you're going to create that more of that. So your, your body is, it's weird. We're very adaptive. So if we're always worried and fearful and just stressed, then we're just going to create more of that. That's, that's good, man. So that's my advice is, is focus on what you want and don't focus and ignore what you don't want. Mm-hmm. So just, just focus on what you want and go laser in, ignore everything else, all the noise, all the naysayers, all the haters, whatever, just ignore them. Ignore the bill collectors. I mean, it's funny, but I, I, I'll call the bill collectors back and I say, I'm not paying you right now. And then I just hang up. And then just, you know, just do whatever you got to do to focus on your prize. Keep your eye on the prize and all that other stuff will, will figure itself out. Wow. Wow. I think, I think most people are the opposite of that, right? Where they have these giant bills mm-hmm. and then they try to tell themselves, okay, well, we need to spend less here. We need to spend less here. Instead, why don't you go out and make more? Why don't you go out and strive for more so that you can accommodate the things that you're living with? And if you don't, why let them bother you anyways? If you you can't pay them, you can't pay them. Why let them bother you? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so at the end of the day, what you, like, I mean, I've I've been in situations where I was at 22 years old, $300,000 in debt. I did not know how I was going to pay them back. So I took him head on and say, look, guys, it might take me 50 years to pay you back, but I'll pay you back someday. So I'll figure it out. And then I went and figured it out. So I didn't have to put all the time and energy and headache into like worrying about it. I said, all right, we're going to go figure it out. And then, you know, things happen. And by chance, I didn't have a plan, but it, it worked out. So, I mean, that's kind of way life is. You, you, what, you, what you seek, you shall find. So seek the right things and you'll find them. You have a uh, super interesting life. Like you're not, I don't know. I looked at your Instagram. A lot of it was Cocoa Taps, but man, you have quite the history and kind of the setup there. So you have dropped a ton of quotes, a ton of great quotes. <laughs> uh, I don't even know I'm going to ask this, but I guess what is your favorite quote? I have so many favorites. I'm a, I'm a quote guy, I guess, but, um, Ah, you know, I like, I, my go-to is every setback is a setup for a comeback. I love that one because it's real simple and, um, um, you gotta just, you gotta just appreciate getting your ass kicked, man. And when you can learn how to get your ass kicked and do it right, you get good at that, then you can get up and just take the world on because you gotta take your licks. You gotta get, you gotta get your chin. You gotta, you gotta learn how to take the hits and not get knocked out. So, um, just that's that's probably one of my favorite quotes there's a another quote that um uh warren buffett says it's another favorite of mine he says um somebody is sitting in the shade because somebody planted that seed a long time ago and um it's all about planting seeds watering them taking care of them nutrients sunshine air and uh you'll see over the over your life things that you plant and the seeds that you plant will sprout and harvest into beautiful things. 
and you just hope that the the people that enjoy those trees take care of it for sure well, you want you your legacy to that's it i mean you so that's why i'm going to plant millions of trees so hopefully they can't screw it all up yeah you know well there's a lot of screwed up people out there but all right yeah so we're all kind of screwed up to be honest nobody's perfect we're all screwed up we're all part of this crazy system 7.7 billion of us right now on planet earth and uh, that's going to go to 10 billion so we're going to need to produce 70 percent more food than we're producing right now out of the ground and we are not heading in the right direction for that we're eroding eroding soil at an alarming rate so we have to get it together we got to plant more trees we got to do regenerative organic agriculture we got to feed ourselves water food and air are going to be the gold so all the cryptocurrency in the world is not going to save you. Right. You got to save yourself by planting the right seeds. And and the vision for a lot of people are it's kind of cutting corners. I think, you know, because they're not seeing that the way that you're seeing it. Yeah, just trying to speed things up. Exactly. So, what advice do you have? Because there are listeners out there who are just finishing college, who are just starting their new venture. But what advice do you have people who are just entering the real world? Um. Take shots, take risks, don't be scared. Everything's temporary, so if you're in your 20s or your late teens, even 30s, take big swings and, and set big goals. Bigger, write bigger checks than you think you can cash. Write big checks, think big, think, think beyond yourself. It's not about you. It's about all the people that you can help and the things that you can do beyond you. And we're all selfish. We all want our own stuff. We want our, we want our own things. We want to do whatever we want to do. But if you put that aside and you just think bigger and you think about the 7.7 billion people in the world and what they need and uh, I think Zig Ziglar said it. If you get people what they want, you'll get what you want. So... Give them what they want. Yep. I was just about to quote the same thing. Really? I was going to, I don't know who said it, but it was, um, <clears throat> you can get what you want if you help enough people get what they want. Mm -hmm. And I, it might That's be, it was Zig Ziglar. It was a Zig? All right. Yep. So yeah. So huge, huge, huge fan of him. Yeah. He's know, a crazy, guy. crazy cool dude. Like his, his accent, his personality. He was a great guy. Have you met Zig? No, I just met him through the videos and through the tapes and yeah. stuff like that. Same here. So that's. Great advice for somebody entering the real world. Do you have any advice for somebody getting into your industry? So maybe like advice getting into the hotel chains, if they have a good idea for that. Yeah, if you have a, a, an invention or a, or a product or a drink or whatever, um, be committed to it. Think about 10-year horizons because it's going to be a rough road. Everything you're going to do is going to be challenging because of the competition and because of the, the naysayers and the gatekeepers and all the people that are going to get in your way. Give it 10 years. If you can, if I've, we've literally built are building a 60 to 80 year plan for our company. So we're not thinking short term. We got to think long game because that's the only way you don't get discouraged or get too stressed out because when everybody, you know, even talking to investors, we haven't taken a lot of investment money at all. And these guys, these investors come in and like, what's your exit strategy? I'm like, dude, I just walked in the building. You want to want me to leave already? Like, right. forget the exit. I'm never leaving. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm building this thing till the exit, you know, is, is just. Is me. Is, yeah, I am the exit. Or just yeah. 
If you build something you truly love and you want, you don't need to sell it. It's just like that mentality of discarding and waste. Yep. It's like these traders and these investors just want to rape the deal and then be gone. Mm -hmm. Like, no, that's not the true value. The true value is building something that will provide, you know, thousands and thousands of jobs and improve economies and communities and ecosystems. That's something you never want to give up. You don't want to leave. You want to build it and let it flourish and let it continue to grow and expand. And um, that's just a different way of thinking, uh, short-term versus long-term. Mm -hmm. And anybody that's starting anything, think big and think long. Because thinking small and short-term is a disappointment. The destination is a letdown no matter what. So you might as well enjoy the journey and do something that you're going to want to stay on that road. Because what good is it building something that you just got to give away? Right. I mean, everybody just talks about exits and wanting to sell everything, but... You're just sitting there with a big pile of cash now looking for the next thing to do. And you're like, well, now what? Yeah. I don't like that. I like to just build something that I truly enjoy and cherish and make it fun and make it make a family and just commit and go. And have purpose. Yeah. Yep. And so it's two different visions, right? When you take on investors, mm -hmm. they don't see what you see. All they see is dollar signs, right? Mm -hmm. But you're, you started it for a certain purpose and it wasn't for the exit. No. Oh, some people that don't last very long, they start a company just for the exit, just yeah. for the money. But then, like you said, they're not fulfilled. So they look for something else. They're always trading. They're always trying to figure out the next thing. And it's nice to just have that peace of mind saying, this is who we are. This is what we do. This is the service that we provide. And we're going to keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on. One so, coconut at a time. You just got to keep on tapping. <laughs> there you go. Um, I want to quote Tony Robbins here because I think you put it very well. But people... Under overestimate what they can do in a year, underestimate what they can do in ten. And so, like That's you exactly said, exactly right. You gotta, you gotta have a long term vision. And I think clearly you read the questions because it's the perfect segue into the next question, um, which is, what is your next step? My next step right now is uh, we're coming out with this amazing, um, fully ocean safe marine biodegradable tap, and it's going to be the first of its kind for the cruise ship industry and the theme park industry. And I'm extremely excited about it. It took me years to find this material that's all corn-based. It's not any plastic in it. And you could literally take our tap that's made out of this material, bury it in the ground in the worms, and the ecosystem will eat it. You could throw it in the ocean, and it won't hurt the fish. Wow. It's the coolest thing. that I. That's Our next step is landing all the cruise ships with fresh tapped coconuts, with our zero-waste coconuts and shocking and rocking the world and i'm also building um our own um we're, we're we're building a plan for our own cocoa currency our own cocoa coin currency and uh, we're going to plant millions of trees with this and people can actually invest and own a part of you know a tree and it'll be backed by the actual coconuts wow. so you know, we're, we're, we're shaking and baking and, and really turning the whole systems upside down. We are disrupting and changing the way things are done and the status quo. So that's my next step. That's amazing. And Why don't you, can you make water bottles out of that maze? Yeah, we can. We can. But, you know, th there's a tremendous amount of resources just to transport water in any container. You really want to get it from the tap um, because a lot of times these companies they're stripping water from these wells all over the world and they're affecting huge ecosystems of just 
depleting water in certain areas to send them other places. Mm -hmm. So we need to really stop doing that. Um, so uh, we c we're going to be making a lot of things out of this material, but right now it's, it's all about the tap. Yeah, cool. So Coco Vinny, you have dropped so much, so much value. Thanks, and I man. am so excited to share this. But the last question that we, I always ask all our listeners, because sometimes we can forget why we do what we do. Mm -hmm. But Coco Vinny, what are you grateful for? I'm grateful for my mother and father, and I'm grateful for my health and um, my pillars. Health, wealth, cocoa, love, and happiness are my pillars, and I'm just grateful to have the opportunity to sit here with you, my man, and uh, and share whatever, you know, snippets or wisdom I have. I don't even, you know, know what I have. I just drop it out there. So I appreciate you, and I'm just grateful to be uh, alive. Good, and I'm so grateful to have you here, and I'm so grateful to have met you. And I just want to say that, you know, a lot of high-profile people come onto this show, and I've had the opportunity to meet a lot of people, and whatever for whatever it's worth, I do want to extend a thank you, and I do want to extend that if anyone ever comes to me saying, hey, help me out, it's because of you and people like you that will help me say yes. Because someone came to me, I'll help you. Thanks, so, man. I appreciate it. Lastly... Yeah. How can people learn more about you, your business, and how can they get in contact with you? Well, um, they can go to CocoTaps.com. Our Instagram, Facebook, Twitter is CocoTaps for you. My personal IG uh, is CocoVinny. That's C-O-C-O-V-I-N-N-Y. And um, I'm real easy to find. If you just Google CocoVinny, you can, you can track me down. Uh, if you ever need anything, I'm, you'll see the six foot five Mexican Jewish cocoa gorilla running around crazy in a blazer or a hat. You'll know who I am. Big time. All right, guys, that's it. Thanks, Thanks guys. Take care. Cocoa love. Well, guys, that wraps up today's episode of the Masters of Life podcast. I want to thank you guys for joining us, and I hope you took really valuable notes. Take action, subscribe, share, let people know. And we'll see you again next week. Let's get it. Let's go right here on the Masters of Life podcast.